Uh, Recording in progress. You don't look like Brandon at all. <laughs> you know, it's not seven days ago. You, I think, said on this podcast, if Brandon Chalmers isn't on here, I'm not doing the show. I did. I lied. I guess I lied. But it's different because you're the boss. Like, <laughs> we are on your fucking network. Anyone else, anyone else would, if anyone else asked, hey, can I come on the podcast? I'd be like, I don't know you. Like, I won't even, inv- I don't know who I, like, I don't know who else, who, I don't know who would be important enough to motivate me to break my cardinal rule of the fucking do it cast. Except for the boss man. So, <laughs> like, Brandon Chalmers is officially on notice <laughs> right now. I'm laying the gauntlet. <laughs> I'm taking your place. Do I get to do the intro? Uh, yeah. I mean, yes. If if you if you have something prepared, you can do the intro. I don't have anything prepared. Right, well, I, I will. I will do the intro then. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think of what other shit we talk about in the cold open. Like normally, it's camera or gear stuff, but. Uh, I, know I got a new I got a new uh, web camera that's Ooh. actually in HD. Last time I was on the show, I was in like you were on know, it, it was really bad. I was very embarrassed to to be on here. I don't know what happened. You're on potato cam. Oh, <laughs> tell tell us about your your new toy. Yeah, I don't know. It's a Logitech camera. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> this, this, is, this is why you don't have me on the show. Because I don't know shit about like cameras and tech. Is it the fancy, the, the squarish looking one that's with the built-in microphone and stuff? Or is it like one of those long looking ones that you can... It's one of those long looking ones. I mean, I, I, it sounds so professional. It's like one of those long looking ones. It's got the flap that you can close the camera when... So the government doesn't spy on you. Uh, got myself a new blue Yeti mic. I'm like trying to be professional Ooh, now. What, what kind of Yeti is it? Is it the mini Yeti or like the the? That's the big Yeti? ass one. With the it's like the big ass silver one. Mm. I hope I, I see. This is what's going to be fucked up. Is that like if the audio once it actually goes out into the world is like real shitty. It it sounds it sounds better. There's still a little echo, but like. We're not going to get into like setting up bass traps in your fucking toy room. That's just not what we're going to do right now. Like, yeah. I mean, having a big glass wall behind you as a reflective surface certainly doesn't help the audio quality. And not like, a good look. And the fact that your microphone is so far away from your mouth doesn't help the isolation. But we're not. I'm sorry. <laughs> Should I be here? Is this better? Well, now you're blowing out. So like, <laughs> this is why I don't come on this goddamn podcast. <laughs> I, I spent some time as an audio engineer, so I know a little, I know enough to get in trouble with this shit to know that also my room is not set up properly in terms of like recording audio. Cause like there's, there's a naked corner up in there. There's a naked corner up in there. I don't have any soundproofing any, anywhere. The only thing I have is like a stack of cardboard boxes in the closet that I'm trying to get rid of. But I mean, that's sort of deadens the sound coming from over there but i don't know there's like we got cool ass toys in the background that's all that matters yeah yeah <laughs> i have i have like plushies and i have my p lander z poster that's all i need <laughs> yeah exactly that's i mean if you're watching this on youtube you don't give a shit either right yeah, like, yeah. Who, who cares no nobody gives a shit the the one the one person who comments on the regular he noticed that the audio sync has been kind of off so i'll have to take a look at that when i Dump is that a zoom in. thing or is that just a it's probably a zoom thing i used to we used to record out of discord um but i thought the sync in the discord was bad 
So maybe the Zoom sync is is still off. I don't know. You know, full disclosure, I usually just listen to the podcast while I'm like mowing the lawn. So I don't really watch the YouTube, honestly. And uh, <laughs> I could care less if my mouth is not synced up with hey it's two asian guys on camera <laughs> with their voice is not synced we're just perpetuating stereotypes is all <laughs> damn you kid <laughs> so there it is all right um i'll i'll hit with the intro Once again, much like Bruce Leroy walking into the Sum Dum Goy and realizing that the fortune cookie has no fortune, you have found your way to the fucking Do It podcast, part of the Hard Knock Media Podcasting Network, invented by one Keith Chow, our very special guest. If you are watching the YouTube, no. Brandon did not suddenly turn Chinese. <laughs> I was going to make a turning Japanese joke because there's that song, but no one did a turning Chinese song. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, but Keith Chow, will you, will you tell the people who the fuck you are? I think I did this before, but I'll do it again. Finally. <laughs> the millions. Uh, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> Keith. <laughs> I'll fucking do it, podcast listeners. Um, I've come back, God. and um, no, I was, I was, uh, I was, I got the call, and it was like, "Hey, Brandon's on vacation. Do you want to be on the podcast?" And I was like, "But you said no." But <laughs> I'm more than happy to be. I'm, I'm happy to be the NOC <laughs> representative to make sure you don't fuck it up for us. Well, the, the topic I wanted to talk about was musicals and I, I, it's something that's not in Brandon's wheelhouse. (laughs) I've heard. Yeah. So (laughs) we're, we're going to like, if you're, if you've seen the title of this episode, it's all about musicals and stuff. Um, But before we get into that, Keith, my friend, my good friend, inventor, president, creator, (laughs) emperor, emperor of the nerds of color to be the man, you got to beat the man. Uh, Keith, what have you been geeking upon? It's funny. Well, so I'll save it for the actual discussion about musicals because I actually just watched a musical on Apple TV called Come From Away, and we can talk about that. So the other thing that I've been geeking on lately, uh, so I've been, my family, my whole family and I have been binging through a show that's really old at this point. It's about 10 years old, but I, I, it holds up surprisingly we just finished the first season there's a show called person of interest uh, have you heard of it i have heard of that it's a uh, stars jim cavizio and taraji p henson and michael emerson and they basically you know we were just talking about webcams that are always spying on you <laughs> and it's a show it was, a, it was an old cbs like procedural but it was really cool because it was um you know like great action great mystery uh, but the and the and the interplay between all the actors was really great What's so cool about that show? First of all, it was created by uh, Jonathan Nolan, who's Chris Nolan's brother. He oh, went okay. on to create Westworld. He, he's married to Lisa Joy, and they created Westworld together. 
but this was the show before that. And what's really cool is that a lot of the actors on it are, since we're talking about musicals, went on to be a famous Aaron Burrs, for example. Ah, uh, Leslie Odom Jr. shows up as a villain. No shit. In, in season two. So it's like, it's just kind of cool to go back and revisit. Now we're watching with my daughter, who's a huge musical fan. And so she's like, oh, that's that's Aaron Burr, you know, and um, <laughs> M'Baku from Black Panther plays a villain in, oh, in the cool. second season. It's, it's so it's just kind of cool to see all of these actors. I wish Jim Cavizio didn't turn out to be like a QAnon crazy person yeah. because he's so good on the show. Yeah, it's it's like it's like the Batman show I always wanted. Right. Because it's, it's basically the premise is Michael Emerson. If you've seen Lost. He's this like nebbish, like nerdy guy who invented this machine that spies on every American constantly 24 seven to look for terrorists in the wake of 9-11. So basically this. <laughs> yeah, basically your iPhone. And and he uses that technology to find it's like Minority Report in a sense, like they find people who are either going to perpetuate a crime or are going to be a victim of a crime. Mm-hmm. And he sends Jim Caviezel's character in to save the people. And it plays very much like a Batman show. Like, you, you know, Jim Caviezel is very like bat. He's got this gruff voice. And, mm. and yeah. And then Michael Emerson's like Alfred in his ear. And, it's, you know, it's the best Batman show on TV. But uh, but yeah, Jim Caviezel now is a crazy person, and that sucks because now we're going back and watching the show, and it's like oh, every time I see it, I remember the <laughs> dumb shit he says on Twitter. So. I remember you're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good a show. I would recommend it. It's on HBO Max. You should watch it. Oh, nice. Person of interest. Person of interest. Okay. Oh, and you would appreciate this since you since you love to you know ship characters who who are gay for each other. <laughs> in the later seasons they introduce a character named well in the in the first season the the ultimate villain is this woman named root who's like a hacker but then she kind of joins the good guys and then in the later seasons another character named shaw joins the team and she's like a badass like military person she's mm-hmm. played by sarah shahi mm-hmm. and uh root is played by amy acker who's in a lot of like joss whedon stuff yeah but anyway yeah 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 you know i'm sure you know amy acker so they it's for the longest time, like they have those two characters, those two women have really good chemistry and people would ship them together. And by the last season, they just made it canon. Oh, nice. Like the Root Shaw shippers got what they wanted. So I know as you as a hardcore, super core <laughs> shipper, God, it's, it's not queer baiting because they actually, you know, fulfilled it for the fans. Fucking super core. What is that show about? It's the last season. What is that show about? What is the show about, Keith? What is the show uh, about? I thought it was about Superman's cousin. It and like there's I got no idea. I stopped watching Supergirl honestly after season like three. I I I can't take the season. I've I'm I'm watching I'm not watching it, but I'm listening to a podcast that does like episode breakdown <laughs> after every time because I can't I can't fucking sit through an hour of them not making out. Like <laughs> I I don't understand what the show is about. Like they spent all last season, they were, they were going back in time and like having adventures in the phantom zone. And now like Lena is a magician or like a witch or some shit. I'm just like, what, what, what is what <laughs> exactly? You have one season to, to put a bow on it, to wrap it all up, to like, to, to give us a nice cake and finish the fucking thing. And you're, you're dicking around with like high school proms and shit. And like, <laughs> fucking met i don't know man so i mm, mm. you know i used to be quite 
the CW superhero show Devotee. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like before the Arrowverse, like you can see the Smallville pops behind me. Like I was down from 2001. And, uh, but uh, yeah, the, the last couple years of CW Super, I, I, I haven't really yeah. dug too much. Like the Flash has gone off the rails the last few years. You know, every, thankfully Arrow was like put out of its misery. Yeah. Every Flash season is them fighting another speedster. And Barry's <laughs> and Barry not learning what he learned from the last season. Like, it's my way or the highway. Oh, if it if you do things my way, everything gets fucked up. Okay. All right. Next season. It's my way or the highway. I know better than all of my team. I'm I'm better than all of my team. I'm the flesh. I can teach you how to do it. Oh, that gets fucked up. Okay, next season. Okay, it's my way. <laughs> <laughs> and then how many speedsters, evil speedsters, can there really be? Like, yeah. And you know, I'm not I'm not a huge Flash comics reader, but like, does he just fight other fast people like all the time? I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, Gorilla Grodd, I thought was like a guy he could fight more than I mean. But you know, every time Gorilla Grodd shows up, it's like the same damn thing too. It's like he's <laughs> got the thing on the head. I got the thing on the head. I'm really smart, <laughs> <Ugh>. monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, I I will say that like their King Shark was like the first time. King Shark was like put in the mainstream, right? Like, yeah, Suicide Squad has the Flash to thank for like people even giving a shit about King Shark. You yeah. Know? Well, also the the Harley Quinn cartoon. Um, yeah, right. I mean, King, King Shark, Shark is having a moment. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's so crazy because you know, as as a longtime DC Comics guy, it's like there are certain characters that you're just like, this guy will never like catch with <laughs> other people. Yeah. And like King Shark, he's like one of the dumbest ideas ever for a character. He's like a human shark. How, how dare you, sir? It's a human <laughs> shark and he's royalty. How dare you? How dare you? Sure, I'm wrong. As a DC stan, how dare you? <laughs> no, dare you? I love it. I love that he's a DC, he's a stupid DC character. <laughs> and now he's like, like you know, the Groot of, of uh, the DC universe, right? Like people, like Ooh, the, yeah. they shouldn't be, but like six-year-olds know who king shark is which i don't you know they shouldn't be watching suicide squad or harley quinn but <laughs> no especially a, not harley quinn he's a popular character now his <laughs> toys in the aisles at target and walmart the the harley quinn cartoon is strangely more bloody than suicide squad and suicide, <laughs> suicide squad is very bloody it is very bloody it was good though i liked it i had fun polka dot man that's another one that i was like wow Good for you. You put in him. You put him in there. Nah, but oh, he's pretty good. Yeah, Dave Dismalchin. He's like he's one of those actors. Uh, you know, he can. He's got like the nerd triple crown. You know what I mean? He's been in Marvel. He he's Super been Girl. in DC. He and Flash. Yep. He was Abracadabra. He was in The Dark Knight. Like that's the first time I ever saw the guy. Dave Dismalchin played like one of the crazy people who follows the Joker that Batman kidnap or a uh, Harley uh, Harvey Dent kidnaps mm -hmm. and uh, and and what else? And he's an Ant-Man. He's the Baba Yaga guy. Yeah, he he adopted a stray cat that met him on set. Like, oh, really? The stray cat kept coming up to him. So he adopted him and he got the costume makers to make the cat. Oh, little, yeah. I saw the, the little polka dot man. Polka dot man costume for the little. For yeah, the, he's a cool guy. I'd like oh. to get him on the podcast one day. <laughs> if you're listening, Dave Dismalshan. I'm I'm impressed by like all the all the celebrities that you managed to get 
on the podcast or on the network? Like, do you, do you just reach out or do they have press people that like, yeah, it's a bit of both. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's, I cannot take the credit, any of the credit for, for that. Like we have a hardworking team of people at the nerds color over the last several, I mean, over the last several years now, but especially in this last year, we've just been cranking out so much good content because of the hard work. And let me shout out some folks. Cause you guys always shout me out on here and it's a little <laughs> embarrassing, but <laughs> All praise due to uh, Laura Sirico, who's the managing editor editor of uh, Nerds of Color. And she's the one who's like, she's like queen of Hollywood, gets all of the contacts. She gets her name quoted in like Shang-Chi, you know, advertisements. Oh, Mike Manalo, you know, he's been doing, he's been doing, doing it up for us. Sophia Soto has been doing it up for us. Adonis Gonzalez, Jamal Michelle has been our video game editor. So he's been doing a lot of content, runs our Twitch channel. So where he streams video games. So, yeah. So because of the hard work of those people, not me, I'm just back here, just like (laughs) making sure shit don't break. Um, Making sure you guys are actually your podcast is the one I'm the most micromanaging. I'm like texting (laughs) Jamie, like, I can't believe you said that. (laughs) Um, But because of their hard work, you know, studios do reach out to us. And and let me set the record straight. I don't know if I set this record straight on the podcast before. But I think Brandon, yes, I'm calling you out again, Chalmers, <laughs> gave us some shit for not getting you guys Fast and Furious interviews. And I had texted Jamie. Yeah. And if only Jamie lived in Hollywood, lived yeah. in Los Angeles, yeah, you would be sitting across the street or across the street. You'd be sitting across the way from Vin Diesel or Justin Lin or Sung Kang to talk Fast 9. So yeah, that was it. Because they were like, oh, we're only doing people who can see this movie like at a special screening in L.A. So I tried. <laughs> Chalmers. <laughs> I think uh, I think if if Hazel, if if my daughter had the vaccine, which that's coming, I fucking hope. Uh, I think that might have been a flight. I think I think <laughs> I, I think I could have convinced Brandon to a flight. <laughs> We could have, we, we might've done that, but until Hazel gets it, I feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. the less risk, the, the better. Absolutely. For us. <laughs> Fast that, nine ain't worth that much. I No, I mean, we did, we did rent a theater for it, but yeah, like we weren't, we weren't going to go out to Hollywood, <laughs> <laughs> but I tried and it ended up doing, we ended up doing a virtual interview with Justin Lin anyway. So it's like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's not like they were in-person press junkets. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, it's, so I, I, you know, I've, I've been lucky that I've surrounded myself with like s- people who are actually hardworking and doing what they're supposed to be doing and, and building up uh, our presence. Cause like, yeah, we've been, been killing it lately. How, how long has the nerds of color been around? Like the podcast version of this? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we launched hard knock life, like, right around the time we launched the site. So it's going on eight years. We started in 2013. The website launched in August of 2013. So we just basically celebrate our eighth anniversary nice. as a, as an entity. And the podcast kind of followed soon after. I think our first episode dropped sometime in August of 2013. Yeah. Like our first, uh, and now I remember our first episode, we just talked about all the cool summer movies that came out that year, which were like man of steel, oh. uh, Wolverine and, uh, uh, the one you like, uh, Pacific Rim. <laughs> what, was was Man of Steel cool? Was was no. that cool? I mean, I know I have cool the poster. Was it cool? I have the poster because it's a cool poster, and it, it just survived the move from the old house. <laughs> but 
it was either it was either Man of Steel or Crazy Rich Asians, and I just thought those are the two like actual theater sized posters that I own, yeah. but I only have one frame. Mm. So I just went with uh, I went mm. with Mr. Cavill. We we know which one you like the most. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I am a DC stand at heart. You you can't you can't relate to a bunch of rich people hanging out with each other, but an alien god from Krypton. I mean, I understand that. Yeah, I mean, come on. So um, was that around when was the first when did the first Secret Identities book come out? Did that did that all coincide around that? Same no, time? that predated. So Secret Identities. Predated. Secret Identities one came out in 2009. So that shit is real old. OK, <laughs> <laughs> the second one came out around that time. Like well, you and I met. Yeah. Around the time I start, I was starting Nerds because the second book came out in 2012. So we okay. I guess we met in like 2011. Yeah. If um if the book came out in 2012. Yeah. Well, that's not true, because like. If you know how our team works on secret identities, those books come into <laughs> you're supposed to probably do them in a year. We did it in like six months, you know, because we we're always like, hey, Mr. Artist Man. Oh, man. Can you do art in like three weeks for like 50 bucks? You know, I can. I how. cannot. I <laughs> cannot. I am so fucking slow now. God. <laughs> but 10 years ago, man, 10 years, I didn't. I uh, wasn't as hard on myself, I guess. <laughs> I didn't yeah, care. So, this is but, all fuck it. Secret identities is the only reason I have any clout whatsoever, right? Because like prior to that, I was a nobody who worked at Diamond, mm-hmm. you know? And then because I, I got contacted by our mutual friend, Jeff Yang, he said, uh, he actually, so I don't know if I've ever told this story, at least on this podcast, but when I was working at Diamond Comics, I, my job was basically I was a marketing guy in the edu- like education marketing. My, my job was to create materials that you would sell comic books and graphic novels at like colleges, libraries, schools. And so I put out a newsletter and one, one May I was like, here are a bunch of like graphic novels by Asian Americans. And it was like the pickings were slim then, like American born yeah. Chinese, I think was it. That was it. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Maybe uh, a couple of things like Jim Lee drew, you know what I mean? But it wasn't a lot of... Uh, I don't I don't think Tak had even done his uh, Secret Asian Man collection. Uh, maybe. No, Tak was around because Tak, Tak contributed uh, around, to Secret Identity. But I don't yeah, know yeah. if he had his collection out yet. Oh, no, the collection, the daily one wasn't out yet. I yeah. mean, he was just a syndicated cartoonist. But but yeah, so it was just, it was very slim pickings, but it was like, here's a bunch, maybe a Derek Kirk Kim graphic novel, maybe an Adrian Tamine thing. Ooh. Um, but that was about it. Right. And then, yeah. but I put out like this little newsletter, like here's all the age. And I think that's what Jeff saw because he calls up diamond. It was like, I would like to talk to someone about Asian Americans in comics. And then we have the- one Asian American working at diamond. <laughs> His name is Keith Chow. Basically. Well, like the funny thing is our PR person at the time was, you know, she fielded the call and she was like, some guy named Jeff Yang wants to talk to you, I think. And I was like, <laughs> Jeff Yang. And now, so if you guys aren't familiar who with Jeff Yang is, we uh, all know each other. Yeah. Everybody well, knows each other. Because of him, he's like the, the, the central figure in like all of Asian America. <laughs> but so he's, he's famous now because he's like, you know, Mr. Culture critic guy when it comes to Asian America. His son is Hudson Yang from Fresh Off the Boat, by the way. So like, right. he's probably more famous. His son is more the, famous than he is. Come on. Exactly. Let's, exactly. Let's be real. Let's, let's be real. Something. Hudson is the His famous son one could now. put him on, but like, you know. Yeah, exactly. But, but back in the 90s, when I was a college guy uh, starting my own Asian American club at, at Old Dominion University of Virginia, I was very super influenced by a magazine 
which was founded by Jeff Yang, which was like the only Asian American magazine back in the nineties. And so like to hear, like he wanted to talk to me, like, yes, I'll take the call. (laughs) And then, so he interviewed me just about like, you know, Asians and superhero comics and why there's so many like creators, but like, and fans, yeah, but no characters, right. This was back in, again, the late two thousands, we're in a golden age now. Like there's a Shang-Chi movie. Like there's three superhero like martial arts movies in a row in 2021. Like we couldn't even get a fucking comic book in 2008. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Like we would, we would speak at colleges, like name an Asian, who's your favorite Asian superhero? And no one would like raise their hand. Cause like, Sun there aren't any. <laughs> really like Sun Does he count? Silver Samurai count? Silver Psylocke? Samurai. How about Psylocke? I, I, I love Psylocke because it's one of the very few examples of Asian washing a white character. <laughs> I love it. They take Betsy Braddock and put her in a ninja. That's yeah. I mean, I shit. We claim her. I don't, you know, even, <laughs> even in our golden age of superhero comics, I know a lot of people like, we don't want Psylocke. And, no, no, I want Psylocke. Give she, me Olivia Munn. I'll, I'll take a Psylocke any she's day. She's got that like fucking the side, the side blade or something. Make your head explode. Come on. Yeah. Who wouldn't want that? And she's so, a ninja. And she's a ninja. Like, I love me some ninjas. So he, <laughs> we got to talking and then, you know, towards the end of our conversation, he was writing for the San Francisco Chronicle at the time. And then towards the end of our conversation, we were just like, you know, oh, I got this real cool idea for an Asian superhero. Oh, I got this cool idea for an Asian. Wouldn't it be cool if we had a book of Asian superheroes? And then it was like, oh, yeah, that would be great. And then hang up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> like, because neither of us have talent. That's the problem. <laughs> you need you, talent. You you put together two big ass books. Well, the, well ass the, books. we're getting there, right? Getting there. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. I think maybe a month later after that call, I go to uh, a wizard, <laughs> a wizard world con oh, in wow. Philadelphia. And I see a guy at a booth with a bunch of cool ass Bruce Lee t-shirts. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's dope. Let me check him out. And then we got, again, we got to talk and I was like, oh, you know, I know a guy named Jeff Yang. We were talking about doing a book of Asian superheroes. Would you be down? And, you know, his name is Jerry Mon. He's like an artist and he's like, gets pitched. I'm sure like every five minutes when he's at, when he's, you know, showing at a convention. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're an artist. I'm sure people are always coming up to you like, here, I got this idea for a comic book. No, I am not that, that type. They're they're like, they look at me and they're like, eh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys are, you know, don't, don't throw away your shot. If you see Jamie Noguchi at a convention. No, throw away your shot. I'm way behind (laughs) on my books. Pitch him all your story. Move the fuck along. (laughs) Pitch him all your story. Unless you're Toei, then I'll answer. (laughs) So Jerry you know, again, fields all these pitches all the time. But for some reason, he was like, I'm very interested. So I was like, oh, now we have an artist on board. Maybe we can make this book real. So the three of us met up in New York, put out like a call. And this is in the pre, the internet was around, but the internet wasn't around. Right, you right, know what right, I'm right. saying? This was right. like pre-real internet. Fucking Netscape. Netscape, Internet Explorer type shit. And we put out a call over email, I think. And one of the first people to respond was a guy named Perry Shin. And we were just talking about Justin Lin, the Fast and Furious. Justin Lin's first big movie was a movie called Better Luck Tomorrow that came out in 2002, which was like a groundbreaking Asian-American film about a bunch of high school kids who like secretly run this like criminal organization out of their high school, (laughs) you know, (laughs) as one does, as one does. Right. And it was this big hit, like Roger Ebert was defending it at Sundance. It was awesome. And that was the crazy rich Asians of like the early 2000s. And Perry was the star and he reached out and he's like, we, I have this really cool idea too, guys. And we're like, 
holy shit, Perry Shen, the celebrity Perry Shen, yeah. you're part of the team now, dude. <laughs> We're going to use you to like get into, <laughs> get our get feet your in the door. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and that's, that's how our, our, the, the secret identities team formed. And then yeah. from there we did the first book. And then three years later, we followed it up with shattered, which where we met you, Jay. I don't even know. How did you come on board? Like, was it just like a cold call? Did I just call you up and like you? Yeah, it was a cold ass call. You emailed me and I was like, eh, sounds interesting. <laughs> you didn't like the first book, though. I did not like the first book. <laughs> so I remember when that that's how I tangentially come into this. Like, I, I picked up the first book because you have to. It's for the culture. It's like, oh, Asian American superheroes. And I'm, I was reading it and I was like, this is the angriest book I've, I've read in a long time. <laughs> and I, I was like, I get it because. I'm I've been angry always about the lack of representation, but I wasn't I I was like, I don't know who this is for, because it's certainly not for non-Asian people. No, no person who is an Asian is going to be able to pick that up and read it and come away feeling hopeful about it. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, we should have put that on the back blurb. <laughs> if you're not Asian, you're not going to get anything out of it. And if you are Asian, you're already upset. So why do you need to, why do you need this to remind you? Um, so I, I, I got it. Cause I, I felt like I needed to be part of part of it. Cause up until that point, like I, you know, I've, I did web comics, but I, I barely talked about, um my identity because you know that's I it just right I I wanted to be one of like I was a self-hating Asian person so (laughs) I wanted to blend in you know like judge me by my work not by my ethnicity yeah yeah yeah. um and it's it's funny because like you know it's only when I started embracing my ethnicity and talking about it that I started to like actually connect with people and all this other kind of shit but that's beside the point that first book it was rough and um I think I did tell you that at some point yeah yeah I think when I pitched you and you're like fuck you i'm the yeah, i was like that first book man you guys suck <laughs> i don't know if i said it that way but i was like i this this is for a very narrow slice of the audience and i you know i'm interested in this this project that you're pitching it this way because like it was it was a asian take on different types of stories and like yeah yeah um and i thought i thought compares comparing the two volumes i think the second one has stories that are a little bit more universal that 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 portray an Asian side of things that I think more people could enjoy rather than just like getting in the head like you suck and this is why. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I you know, I, full disclosure, I agree. I think Shattered is the better book of the two, and I think partly is because yeah, it's more it's different genres. The first one is all superheroes. Yeah, and then the first one is a little bit more didactic. The first one is also kind of like us just kind of feeling ourselves. You know what I mean? Just kind of yeah. getting, like feeling around in the dark in a in a kind of way, right? Yeah. Like there's yeah, this is there's the one. This is the one. Yeah, there's more confidence. I feel like in the storytelling in the second book. Yeah, you know. And I think by the time we get to the George Takei book, that's like that's I think that was peak, uh, you know, collaboration because that one goes. You know, even though it's heavily Asian American because of the George Takei connection, it, it goes even beyond Asian American experiences. Yeah. And, and you worked, you worked even more on that one than, yeah. than the first two, <laughs> like a lot. Yeah. But, uh, but, and that one's technically not a secret identities book because we did that through the Japanese American museum with George Takei and his people. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like an unofficial third secret identities book, but um, 
but yeah, I, I would agree with the two official ones. Shattered is the better book. Um, just art, the art is better. The storytelling is better. Yeah. Um, the genres are better. And, you know, part of the premise of the second one, beyond just the different genres, is it was like, let's take Asian stereotypes and like just do all Asian stereotypes, but then, but then subvert all of them. That's why it was called Shattered. We were shattering yeah. Asian stereotypes of like, uh, the the temptress and the mastermind and the gangster and the martial artist like we I were taking the all of, one. That was yeah great. we were doing we we're doing all the things that like people say oh we don't do that that's the Asian stereotype but like and this is an argument I've been making like for the last ten years that's culminated in like Asian Iron Fist and now Shang Chi it's like there's nothing wrong with Asian martial artists right like we run away from it because it's a stereotype because the way it's always been portrayed in America in the West is not human. Right. right. We're we're like right. cannon fodder or we're like just the, the beard stroking bad guy or like the sexy <laughs> temptress. We're never like the real person. Yeah. And it, I don't, I'm not counting like Kung Fu movies from Asia that come here because they don't count. Because like, yes, of course, in, in Asia, everyone is humane and, and oh, yeah. human beings. Right. Yeah. Like you get a full story and it's you get like a full story. Right. Five hours or, a, or a, <laughs> like a 70 part miniseries. Yeah, but think what are the martial arts, what are the American martial arts movies of the last like 40 years, right? It's like, the, it's the David Carradine shit. It's Blood the Quentin Tarantino Lord. shit. It's the yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme shit. It's the Steven Seagal shit. And like there, Asians there, are in it, but we're yeah. never like human beings, you know? There, and that's there was, what we were trying to. There was one that I thought was really good with James Earl Jones, Best of the Best. Uh, that that one was more of a, like, that was a, a a very interesting take on a martial arts film. It was more of like a, a sports movie, the way they filmed it. Like, you know, your team and we were fighting against this team. And so like, you know, I mean, I always argue the most Asian American, like Western, uh, you know, Mark quote unquote martial arts film was the karate kid only because of like Pat Morita's insistence to like make him a be, uh, make him a world war two vet. Yeah. Like that was the first time I'd ever heard of the four forty two. Yep. As like an eight-year-old kid, you yep. know, th that's crazy. Like to this day, people don't know. Like, how can how can there not be like a Steven Spielberg-esque 442 movie? Like that would make so much money, right? Can I, you imagine like yeah. a, a cast of like, you know, I don't know, Daniel Day Kim and whoever, you know, Henry, put Henry Golding in that movie yeah. with Andrew Koji making out in the back. That, put them in that. Put oh, them in the 442nd movie. Love in the 442, dude. <laughs> love in the time of the 442. Dude, that's a shoujo manga right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm also surprised that Call of Duty hasn't done anything with the 442nd. Like they, because it's all about war, this war that they've done all the wars. They've done future wars. They've gone back. Oh, to and, and people were like, "What the fuck is the 442? It's the all Japanese American battalion mm -hmm. who who." You know, basically, they were all drafted from the internment camps to go fight in the incarceration camps. What did I say? You said internment. Oh, yeah. You said the, the prison camp. bullshit word. The prison camps. That's the yes. Concentration camps. Incarceration. Yeah. The, the but they were all sent to fight in the uh, European theater. And they were the I think to this day, they're still the most decorated Italian Italian. In all of the U.S. Army history, yeah, and yeah. So like, why? Where's their Saving Private Ryan movie? Right? Like, yeah. give, give Justin Lin or you know, uh, Daniel De Destin Cretton, who directed Sean, give them a 442nd movie. That would be, and that would be fuck, man. Yeah. Let, let, why, why is that not greenlit already? I hate me a war movie. Like everyone's like all up on Dunkirk. And I'm like, I seen that shit. I seen that shit. <laughs> I mean, I haven't, but I, it, it, we've all seen that shit. Like we know, you know, 
or like Empire of the Suns. Like we get it. We've seen this. Mm-hmm. Give me, give me something that I can sink my teeth into. Like we had a Red Tails movie. Yeah, a Red Tails movie. Yeah, um, one great. But like a, a four forty. Give me a four forty second movie. Just you know, like we've we've heard about the camps. Now show us like I don't know. I but 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 that's the thing. Like like so, Mister Miyagi. Like again, Mister Miyagi is one of those characters. People kind of laugh at him and they dismiss him as a stereotype. But that was some deep shit in nineteen eighty four. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the the whole scene when he and Daniel are getting drunk and he's yeah. remembering his like past in the camps and and being in fighting in the war. Which I think the the. <laughs> The timeline's a little off, though, because like my brother and I had this whole kind of like dissertation about how could Miyagi come to America in time to be enlisted in the war because of the, like the, the age, you know. But yeah. anyway, I mean, that's that that doesn't matter, especially. If, and then Karate Kid too fucks it up because it's like yeah. it was also in Okinawa with a with a white person <laughs> that kind of blows up the timeline. Even now more. we fight. <laughs> Your teacher teach you how to te- fight with spear. He teach you how to be caught. <laughs> so Yuji Okamoto, we've had on the Hard Knock Life podcast. No shit. You and and Tamlin Tamita. Oh my god. Tamlin Tamita is a friend. Um, she she rocks a nerds of color T-shirt in Lin Chen's movie. I will make you mine when she shows up and she's got a fucking NOC Tamlin. T-shirt. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Talk about like first crushes, man. <sighs> Serious. <laughs> Uh, Pat Morita's stunt double was Fumio Demura. Fumio Demura did a whole bunch of karate books uh, in the eighties, and like I know all about that shit because I did karate in the eighties. So we had all of them <laughs> shit. We had all them books, all the Fumio Demura like karate one, karate two, like all that shit. There was like a cool documentary about him. Fumio, the other Miyagi, I think is what it's called. Oh, cool! I should, yeah. I should look you should check up. that out. Yeah. The other thing is, if you were into martial arts in the 80s, you had a subscription to Black Belt Magazine. And every issue of Black Belt Magazine had an article by or about Bruce Lee. It could have been, it was like, (laughs) and then every once in a while, they would do the feature issue of Bruce Lee. But every single issue of that magazine had somebody talking about Bruce Lee or breaking down a Bruce Lee technique or Bruce Lee did this or Bruce Lee did that. Even in the back pages, like I would flip through the magazine. I'd be like, I don't see the Bruce Lee article yet. I don't see it yet. I don't. Oh. There it is, right in the back. They tried to hide it, but every issue of Black Belt Magazine had something about Bruce Lee because he was he was our first Asian American fucking superhero. Yo, yeah, for sure. To this day, to yeah. this day, and that's what's so like pissed me off about Once Upon a Time in America, uh, the movie, the Quentin Tarantino movie, where where like there's this whole scene where Brad Pitt's character kind of like spars with. Mike Moe playing Bruce Lee. And, and I think the misperception that like why people were upset isn't because, you know, quote unquote, Brad Pitt beats him in a fight. It's because the way Bruce is depicted in that movie. I don't know if you've seen the movie. I have not because of that. Yeah. The way Bruce is depicted in the movie is that he's a clown. He's a buffoon. And, and, you know, it's not like, I don't care that a fictional guy beat Bruce Lee in a fictional fight that never happened. I care that to your point, the one icon of Asian American history, not just movies. Yeah. Like he is an icon to us as people. Yeah. Uh, gets treated like a fucking buffoon. Yeah. And, and that's what didn't sit right with Shannon, his daughter and didn't sit right with most. I mean, I'm not every person, but most Asian Americans do complain. And this one here talking right now that that's why I can't say. And the thing is that Quentin like, Doubled down on it in his book tour recently, where he's just like, "Yeah, Bruce Lee was an asshole, and stunt guys hated him." And blah blah blah. You know, you know why stunt people hated him? 
Yeah, he might have been arrogant, but like, think about it. you're a five eight Chinese guy trying to make it in Hollywood. Yeah, of course people you aren't gotta, gonna like you, you. You have to talk a big game, and you have to kick everyone's ass, and they yeah. have to know it. It's like I mean, he's basically calling him an uppity Chinaman. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, what have you been geeking on, Jamie? <laughs> I know how this podcast works. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes we go along and I, and I hide because I don't have anything good. <laughs> I don't have anything good. So if you have a child uh, of elementary school age, you may be familiar with a toy called the Poppet. And the Poppet is a, uh, a row of, of, of uh, bubbles that are out of like a silicone rubber. And you pop it on one end and it comes out the other end. You pop it. So like... You have rows and rows of these things here. I'll, I'll show you. So this is what a poppet looks like um, on the on oh, the camera. I like that rack focus. That was awesome. Oh yes, it's the uh, the Sony ZV one. It'll will it do it again? I think at the there it go. There it goes. Um, so some genius company put the poppet, which is like the biggest toy for elementary school kids today, and and mixed it with a fidget spinner. Nice. So the, have, the, the cool thing for elementary students 10 years ago. Yeah. So it's, it's fidget spinner and the poppet. And I was like, uh, I only know of this because one of Hazel's friends had one and she was showing everybody like, check out this fucking thing I have. Uh, so I had to get them. Because, Direct quote. Yeah. Right. She, yeah. 10 year olds curse like a motherfucking storm <laughs> out there. Like I have to tell my kid, I have to tell Hazel, don't say what that girl is saying. Hazel tells me to stop cursing because she's like, daddy, that's too much. Hazel, go to bed. Now I got to go do the fucking do it cast. Okay. So go the fuck to sleep. Yeah. I, it's, they can read uh, my, my, uh, <laughs> all of Hazel's friends can read my bracelets. So I'm like, well, yeah. it's a bad word, but you know, it helps motivate me. So <laughs> my, my geeking on is not very interesting, but it's like, it's, it's more, more stupid toys and stuff. No, I, I, Hey, look at my background. I love me some stupid toys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was geeking out about a. Oh, I, you know, I should I? No, yeah, so. you should. You should. You well, it's should. not really a toy. Is is Hold it? An, is it a statue? No. Well, now I'm fucking curious. Keith has left his seat. He's going into the back. He's grabbing a box. There's, so there's something I don't, else you want. <laughs> he's geeking on. I don't really want to talk about Shang Chi. Uh, because of all the stuff that's happening in the world. You, so you don't want to talk about Simu becoming the main character of Twitter? No. And then Aquafina becoming the side character of Twitter? Mm, I do not. You, you don't want to talk... Is it is it because it's complex and layered? and very Yes. Layered? And it's a conversation that can't be had on Twitter, yet people insist on having those fucking conversations but we, but we on Twitter. we can have a conversation, just not when you ask me about it in the yeah. thing. So, anyway... <laughs> In Shang-Chi, um, the character of Shang-Chi. So when the toy came out, and the, the action figure is right behind me there. And I already put my headphones back in, so I'm not going to get up again and get it. <laughs> but when the toy came out, and I look, and I remember looking at it going, is he wearing Jordans? Huh, that's interesting. <laughs> and I put the toy away. Then I go see the movie, and he does indeed wear Jordans. So I went out. Oh, my God. And I got the pair of <laughs> Shang-Chi ones. Just because I could, it's, it's, and, and I feel, and I feel like they're going to be like really expensive one day. It's intersectional representation. That's amazing. Yeah, I got the I got the Shang Chi one. They're not officially Shang Chi ones. They're 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 just a random pair of Jordans that he wears, and now they're going to be 
I'm calling them the Shang-Chi ones from now on. But uh, but what's cool is that like Shang-Chi enters the pantheon of, and I tweeted this the other day, superheroes who wear Jordans. You have Miles Morales <laughs> from Into the Spider-Verse. Nice. And the thing that people don't necessarily realize, Michael Keaton's Batman in Batman Returns. His Ooh. his costume, the boot, the bat boots are yeah. built on top of a pair of Air Jordan sixes from 1992. Nice. So anyway, that, that's sorry to. <laughs> so I, I like stupid shit too. Jordans were here. Jordans were here from the beginning. <laughs> uh, all right. Speaking of stupid shit, uh, let's talk uh, musicals. And nice. The- Uh, for once we have a topic normally it's just we catch up and we go because Brandon has a bedtime because he turns into a pumpkin after like <laughs> midnight um, but this time I wanted to talk to you about a very specific musical Steven Spielberg is doing a, a another film version of West Side Story mm-hmm. um, this time with actual Latina people <laughs> in it um, and I wanted to I wanted to get into that like you know what what are you looking forward to it? What do you want out of a, a modern take on West Side Story? Um, but I'm curious, when did you get into musicals? Did you get into musicals because of your daughter or have you always been in into music theater? Um, I was not a music theater kid. I did like music. I, I was never like that guy who was like, fuck musicals. I'm too macho or whatever stupid shit. Like I liked West Side Story. In my high school, we played somewhere during halftime. Well, that's not how somewhere goes, but, uh, but we played it. So I remember like we'd watch, so we watched West Side Story in band class as, you know, to prepare for it. And Ooh, what did you play in band? I was a percussionist. Nice. So I was the, in marching band. I was the bass drum for the first year. Second year, we went to Hong Kong for the summer. So I missed band camp. So when I came back, I was the cymbals because I, I missed all of They demoted you. I got demoted from bass drum. And I think the only reason they put me on bass drum is I was a big guy who could carry the fucking. <laughs> but um, you can carry this, right? You're on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Four on the floor. <laughs> One, two, three, four. One, two, three. Uh, and then the, the most embarrassing thing about being the cymbals guy when I was in 10th grade and then I moved in, I wasn't in marching band anymore. But in 10th grade, I was a cymbals guy is that uh, during halftime, my job was like we would crash as we walked, as we marched. And then my, the rest of my job was to stand in front of the snares like this. And they, cause we played like, so I think we played uh what's the song, the 25 or six to four, the Chicago oh, song. God, yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so, so I was just, so like the, the snares and the, they were playing, they were riding the symbols. So I just had to stand there. Yeah. I was just the symbol stand. Yeah. Yeah. I was just standing here like this. I couldn't even crash my own fucking symbols. I had to stand there and let the at, at snare drums. You didn't have to be the high hat thing where you go. <laughs> yeah. I would honestly prefer to do that, but um, I would have had like arms for days. I know, right? Man. I mean, just imagine standing there for like five You'd minutes. You'd be yoked, like man. Don't <laughs> fuck with Keith. He is the symbol hi hat man. <laughs> but um, but no, so yeah, I, so I was never against musicals. I wasn't super into them to mm. be completely honest. Mm. But then, yeah, we had a kid and she got into them because I think we watched The Sound of Music, the Carrie Underwood one on NBC. Oh. Like, like this was like 
2010 or 11 or something like this was the first NBC live music. Yeah. The NBC live stuff. Yeah. And then they did sound of music and like, she was enthralled. <laughs> so we saw like a dinner theater version of it. Then we oh. saw Annie at the Hippodrome in Baltimore. And from there she was hooked. And then I got into Hamilton, not because of my daughter, but because going back to the nerds of color, uh, a couple of our writers at the time, we're super into Hamilton. I wasn't even, I had heard about it, but I wasn't like, I wasn't aware of it because this was still in, it was like the cast album hadn't even come out yet. Right. And, and, you know, you, you would hear rumblings cause like, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of the roots and Questlove like talked about it all the time. And then uh, our writer, Connie Constance Gibbs, she, now she works for Scholastic, but at the time she wrote for us <laughs> and she wrote uh, recaps for Arrow. This kind of like ties everything together. This is a really, yeah, yeah, yeah. really well thought out podcast today, Jamie. <laughs> I knew that shit. I didn't, know I, didn't know, I didn't know fuck all. So she wrote Arrow recaps at the time. So we used to do that. We used to recap Arrow every week. Cool. And then this one time episode. he was sad and shot somebody. <laughs> this other time he was sad and shot somebody. This time he was sad, but he and looked hot. Some- and then he shot somebody. <laughs> So Constance um, was a huge Hamilton fan. It wasn't even in Broadway yet, or maybe just hit Broadway. Huge Hamilton fan. I think Lin-Manuel Miranda was her substitute teacher in high school. Oh, shit. Yeah. And <laughs> and like, so she was super into Hamilton, like before, like the world was really into it. But the cast album had just come out. It was just streaming. I don't even think the album was out. Yeah. And then so she titled her recap, The Room Where It Happens, and like, was making all of these references to Hamilton in her recap. So I was like, oh, let me be a smart ass as her editor. And every time she made a Hamilton reference, I would link out to like a YouTube of the song. Cause again, the, the soundtrack was streaming. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, had it having to listen to it. And I, I was like hooked, <laughs> like just listening to like the, the, the cast album over and over again to find like all the different references she was making that in con like made no sense out of context. Right. But yeah. So I, I started listening to Hamilton and was like, Holy God, this is what <laughs> musical theater is now. Well, it, it wasn't always like that. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of, kind of that plus like my daughter's, you know, obsession with it kind of merged because then she was into like wicked and she started going to music theater camp and like learning all of these songs and so from the so i guess i mean now it's been 10 years so i I'm, i guess i'm i'm a full-on theater kid now and i was a, like i was a drama kid like in i took drama classes in high school so again i was kind of like a peripheral theater kid growing mm-hmm. up but then as a parent became a musical theater fan interesting so I'm like my first Broadway show was like I was a full ass grown adult before I ever saw a show on Broadway. Yeah. Well, it's hard to get up to Broadway. Man. Well, yeah. That, it, there's it, a, that's it the other thing. All, it costs a lot of money to get up to Broadway. Like there are theater fans who've never seen a Broadway show. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I've seen several. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Were you always a musical theater guy? Yeah. Um, my mom really liked musicals, but she liked the, a lot of the classic stuff like Rogers and Hammerstein and stuff. Um, so we would, we would, that would, that would be in the background as I was growing up. Uh, I, there was a, I'm, I'm really big into Stephen Sondheim. There was a musical called Pacific Rim, which didn't get a lot of play, but it was about the American opening of Japan um, in the 1800s, 1700s. I don't know. Early aughts or whatever. Like Matthew Perry. 
Matthew Perry, yeah. Commodore Perry coming to Japan, opening up Japan. And could you be more Japanese? That yeah. guy, right? <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's sorry, that was a dumb friends reference if people were listening, like oh, keep talking uh, about. I don't know friends, so fuck <laughs> friends. Um, <laughs> no, there's an actor named Matthew Perry. Oh, I did know that's that. like he but talks also, like that. Fuck him. Yeah, um, fuck this show. Sorry. I hate that show. By the way, I was the yeah. only person growing up. I who hated don't like it either. I just like making the Matthew Perry joke. Um, but yeah, so that that was always on in the background. Um, it's it's a really cool musical. They've done different versions of it. There was a version on Broadway with, um, uh, I forget the name, but they've they've done different versions of of Pacific uh, Pacific Overtures. The original Pacific Overtures, right? Yeah. Pacific Rim is about giant. Pacific robots. Rim is about. Did I say Pacific Rim? You said Pacific Rim. But there was a musical called Pacific Rim <laughs> about the. Uh, Giant as giant, kaiju. giant kaiju and stacker Pentecost being amazing. Um, so Pacific Overtures was one that I kind of latched onto because it had it it didn't sound like any of the other ones that I had heard. Um, and the original version had Mako as the narrator, and he played a bunch of a bunch of things in that one. And I I I always wanted to meet Mako. Like <laughs> I always wanted him to meet him at a show or like at a comic con or something like that. Mm. And that never happened. Yeah. Um so I was aware of Stephen Sondheim. And then um the 80s in the 80s, Phantom came out and that was huge with a whole bunch of people. There was, you know, Phantom, Les Mis, yeah, um, Miss Saigon. I don't actually know the 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 music from that one, but like there were there was a kid in my kindergarten or my daycare who was in Annie in a production of Annie. Oh, wow. So like I knew people who were in theater. I listened to the shit all the time. I've, I, I heard a lot of it. And then in high school, our theater group did into the woods and I was in the pit orchestra. I played violin. So I've heard that shit all the time. The past <laughs> recording, we, we did our own version. So I've I've been around musical theater. Did you like the movie? <clears throat> you ever there, seen it? There are parts of it that I really enjoyed. I like um, Glenn Close as the witch. She's she's having Meryl Streep. Meryl, Meryl Streep. Street. Yeah, I'm getting my old white ladies yeah, mixed up. Meryl white. Streep. <laughs> Meryl Streep was great as the witch. Um, I really liked. Uh, God, the baker's wife, Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. I am blanking on names tonight. That's why I'm here. Yeah. That's why I'm um, here and not Brandon Chalmers. Yeah. Because he wouldn't know who the fuck He'd be like, I don't know that lady. <laughs> uh, he didn't, I guarantee he didn't watch Into the yeah. Woods. James Corden, I always find annoying and I found him annoying and I'm, I'm kind of annoyed that they, that the movie well, hangs on like, the baker, but, you know. <laughs> but he wasn't even famous when he was in that, you know, like it's weird that that was the thing that made, the, that was, that predates the James Corden show, you know, like that was yeah. the first thing I, I think that, you know, American audiences. Anyway, yeah. so you so you were always a theater kid. Always a theater head. I liked uh, the Stephen Sondheim stuff. There's a musical called Sunday in the Park with George. It's very depressing. It's about <laughs> George Seurat and his life and all that kind of stuff. It, apparently, that was like a, a workshop done with Mandy Potemkin and Bernadette Peters. Mm. And they, they kind of workshopped that musical. They wrote it along. Stephen Sondheim was writing it as they were working on it. So... That one is really cool, but that one that one hits way too close to home. Being an artist, it's just like, you know, is your is your work gonna live on right. after you? Like, what is it gonna mean to other people? And how are you going to destroy your life making this beautiful work? I'm like, <laughs> this shit is too fucking real. 
Um, so musical theater has been a thing that I've, I've enjoyed and been a part of and like I've, I've been around it and stuff. Yeah. That's I, awesome. I don't know a lot of the newer stuff. Um, just cause I, at, at, at a certain point you're, 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 taste set in and you just kind of right. go back to the ones that you like. It's why I don't listen to any music like popular music post 1997, yeah. you know, like it's yeah. like, I just Pearl jam is like, that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> I stop at the yield album and it's like other music came out. That's, <laughs> I, but it's the opposite. Like I'm, I'm probably like appreciate more of the modern musical stuff. Then I mean, not that I don't like, I mean, I love West Side Story. I love Into the Woods. I love yeah. uh, Oklahoma. I really like uh, the, the new sexy version of Oklahoma was really, is really good, by the way. <laughs> um, but, but I, but I really like, you know, Hamilton and Hades Town. I think is my favorite musical. And that's a fairly recent one. The, the thing I wanted to talk about earlier is a show we just watched. It's on Apple TV plus it's a pro shot version of come from away, which is a new with newer musical, which is really cool. Cause it's a, it, they, they, one and you talk about like how hard it is to see Broadway shows. I wish oh, there yeah. were more pro shot, you know, recorded musicals of the original Broadway cast that's available. Like Hamilton is on Disney Plus, and now Come From Away is on Apple TV Plus. Because yeah, it's one of those things where it's like I get like the actors' equity piece, but like you know, it's it's difficult to because every show that's ever been on Broadway has a pro shot version lying in an archive. And, yeah the Lincoln center open that but, shit up, man. Yeah. Put it on, put them on stream. Make that money. Do you know how many people would subscribe to a musical only streaming, streaming service, service? and like, still go to the feet? Like that's and they the would thing. Still go to the, the, yeah. You would still get the money, but you would open it up to so many more people and they would watch it all the time. Like you go to a, most of us who don't live in New York, maybe go to a Broadway show every five years. If that, you know, but like, having access to that in a subscription form streaming always. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? No one's subscribing to Paramount plus no one's yeah. paying Peacock money. If you can see Peacock for free, everyone who loves musical theater would rent the shit out of that. Like they would buy pro shots. They would stream pro shots. I mean, and, and it would, it would, it would totally upend the whole slime tutorial, YouTube bootlegs. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, and, and, you know, and I'm, Hey, I am a perpetrator. I have watched one or two YouTubes of I musicals. I saw, I saw a YouTube bootleg of love never dies. Did you, oh, did you ever see the, the, I saw love, the opera part two. I've seen love never dies live. Why? Why did you I do that? Why did we, you do we that? We were invited by friends. They're like, would you like to come to a musical? You should have sure. told them to give me the money instead. Because man, never man, it's, it's they, a, like, you know, what if the rapist was a good guy? They retcon the, a uh, rape scene in that. <laughs> this child speaks only in song. I wonder whose child this is. It's like Christine, a. I, I hate that show. I hate both of those shows because Christine deserved way better. Hashtag Christine. Does and better. she gets shit on just for being there, just for having a good voice, being pretty. She dies. I feel bad for Raul. I don't fuck him. He turns into a drunk mess in the second one. Oh, in the, oh no, I'm talking about in the first one. In the second, yeah, he's a, he's an abusive, whatever. In, in the no, first one, maybe. 
But like, it's uh, it's like Superman Returns, yeah. where uh, you realize that oh, Superman roofied Lois and put a baby in her, and then like dipped the Krypton for five years. Yep. that's the Superman movie we're gonna watch. Yep, mm, it's like what so. they did with Snake Eyes. He's an asshole. <laughs> I'm supposed to like the asshole. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. So uh, West Side Story. <laughs> the West Side Story. So yeah, West Side Story. Uh, the musical. The musicals by Roger. Uh, Bern- uh, Leonard Bernstein. Leonard Bernstein. God damn it. Leonard Bernstein. Lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. Mm-hmm. And uh, initially he didn't want to be credited and he regretted that for a long time. But uh, lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. That's that's probably why it's one of my favorite Rogers and Ham- I keep saying Roger <laughs> Leonard Bernstein musicals because like it's got the the cadence that I I like to hear from Stephen Sondheim the way he the internal rhymes and the, the internal like the rhymes. fast yeah um it's it's got a storied past there is a there is a theatrical version of it that we've all seen Natalie um, Wood yeah there are there is like one Latina woman in the entire cast and there's heavy brown face on but it's Rita Moreno so you know yeah. she's a goddess. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, we mentioned Lin-Manuel Miranda. I think in some in the last 10 years or so, he rewrote the Spanish lyrics. We saw that one at the Kennedy Center. And that was in fantastic. West, the new West Side Story. Now. So, and, I, and I wonder, I mean, I, I would assume that the Spielberg uh, screenplay would be based. I mean, Tony Kushner wrote it, but I mean, it's it's like, come on, it's a. <laughs> What what are you gonna write? What what did Tony Kushner add to? Yeah, what did you Leonard Bernstein and Steven Sondheim? Yeah, you know I mean, I mean <laughs> but but uh, but the new version, the new screenplay. I wonder if they retained like the Miranda translations for the Spanish. But what what I've always wanted from West Side Story. So West Side Story is basically Romeo and Juliet with is set Puerto in, Ricans in and Puerto Ricans versus Americans and stuff. But, they're Irish. They're Irish, right? Maybe. Yeah, the white, the white, the 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 sharks and the jets. Yeah, the sharks and the, and the jets. And the sharks are the sharks are Puerto Rican or the jets are Puerto Rican. Jesus, it's been so. I long. don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's Irish. When you're Puerto a jet, Rican. yeah, the jets are the white people. The sharks yeah, are the, the, the brown Puerto people. Rican. Yeah. And the so it's there's a racial component to it. Kind of it. They the 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 show never interrogates it. The show never really talks about it. Like there's a cop, and he's clearly he's like he's a white cop and he's definitely on on the um jet side kind of but like i don't know in you know in a modern context a modern version of this like are they going to interrogate the racial aspects of this in a in a in a in a better way or in a more thorough way or is are they just gonna let's do a glitzier version of of west side story like i mean that's a good question and i think i mean from all of the trailers it just looks like a more like a better shot, better lit version of the Natalie Wood movie. Right. Because yeah. the, the, the decision that Kushner and Spielberg made, which I thought was a surprise is that they did not update it. It's still a period piece. It still takes place in the sixties. So it, you know, like the costumes look the same from yeah. the Natalie Wood movie. Yeah. The, the, the setting looks the same. Like it, Again, it's just better lit than the old movie. You and, know? and if and if that's all you're gonna do, it, I don't want to see it. I don't. It's care. like it's like the Vince Vaughn Psycho, right? Yeah. Remember that? Remember when yeah. Vince Vaughn and Anne Hache like shot for shot remade the Alfred Hitchcock movie? Yeah. And, and you know, 
I will say this, like it's Steven Spielberg. I think it's going to be an amazing looking movie. Sure. But if, if you're but, not like in a modern context, like they, they did what they did with what they thought was, was interesting back then. And sure. But like, it's the new goddamn millennium. You can't just say we got a, a show about Puerto Ricans versus white people and then leave it at that. You got to interrogate some of that shit. Like I want to, there's, there's like a, like a almost rape scene there in, in, in the, in the, in the musical and the way they filmed it. Like, I don't want to see that, but if you're going to do shit like that, you, you have to, you can't just, I don't know. I but I do, I think, yeah, I mean, I, 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 if that's the case, I would, I would like not go to the movie then. Cause I don't think you're going to get what you think you're going to get because <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Right. I mean, it's again, Tony Kushner and Steven Spielberg, I don't think are equipped to really, interrogate what you're talking about you know what i mean and 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 honestly like having these conversations in 2021 is even more complex than west side story can ever get to right and in fact if if anything it's like west side story is suffering from the same consequences and criticism that in the heights got a couple months ago in that rachel ziegler who was cast to play maria is very light-skinned latina um, and they, the, what's the other character's name? The Rita Moreno character from the original, the other one, um, who, who, who like the shit, I can't remember. Uh, it's not Maria, but the other lady, uh, who's, who's visibly darker is cast again with an Afro Latina actress. Who's the one who's like pulling her, you know, yeah. keeping her away from Stick to your own kind. Like, right. You know, and there's, so there is still some colorism in this version of West side story. So like, you know, I mean, even though. Rachel Ziegler is, is, you know, she's speaking in the trailer. She's speaking with a Puerto Rican accent. So it's, they're more quote unquote ethnic than they were in the uh, Natalie Wood version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think you're going to get like, that's probably the, the most progressive thing about yeah. the 2021 version is they cast an actual Latina actress to play Maria. Yeah. But I, I don't I, think you're going I to get that's what we get. <laughs> yeah. I don't, but I mean, again, but I think the, the conversation around race has, has moved beyond what, I think a filmmaker like Spielberg is equipped to do with West Side Story. I'm not saying Spielberg can't talk about Ray. I mean, he's right, right, right. clearly done movies where he does tackle like Amistad or The Color Purple or yeah. even Lincoln to a certain extent. But like the actual, like this, like you said, the West Side Story story itself doesn't get at the real, it's everything is implied, but yeah. it doesn't get at the actual. Yeah. And I mean, I, I guess, I guess it's revolutionary to cast brown people in a movie ostensibly where half of your cast should be brown people. And I guess that's a revolution in and of itself, but that's crumbs in the new millennium. That's crumbs. in the Well, that's what I'm saying. Like in the Heights, in the Heights, which was all Latino, right. Got criticized for not casting Afro Latino. Yeah. Dark. And, and, and I think the, I know I said I wasn't going to wade into some of these like Twitter conversations, <laughs> but I think what got lost is that it became like, it's like a game of telephone. The criticism yeah. became, they didn't cast any Afro Latino and it's not true. Like yeah. Nina, the actress who played Leslie Grace, who's going to be Batgirl in the DC universe is Afro Latina. She's Dominican, but she's very light skinned. So like the criticism, which started as like, there are no dark skin Afro Latina actors in the movie became, there are no Afro Latina actors, which erased the fact that there were several Afro Latina actors, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, it, it, and I think we get the, we, we conflated the colorism with the racism. And then I think, but again, that's, you're wading into that world with West Side Story. Yeah. You know, if West Side Story came out three years ago, it would, yes, be revolutionary. We have a Puerto Rican. Yeah. 
Maria finally. But, yeah, but we're, in a we're, post in the Heights world, nah. where in the Heights was like crit, like heavily critical, and that you could argue it led to the the box office failure, perhaps. Well, also a pandemic, COVID, <laughs> the fact that people die if you go to a theater. I like a musical, but I ain't going to catch anything for a musical. Well, at least in the Heights is out on the digital now. You can watch it there. Yeah. But, but, you know, I mean, I, so yeah, I, I think I'm not, and I, you know, I would never say you're asking too much, but yeah, you're asking too much if you think this movie is going to give it. To you. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of when I saw this, when I saw this trailer, I was like, what is the point of this? I get it that there are going to be brown people in it. So yay. But who gives a fuck? Like, if you're not saying anything really new with this, just watch the old one. Give them a check. Give them the residual from like another stream. Like, you know. If you're not saying anything like I, I love musical theater, but there is a lot of problems with musical theater, especially regarding race. And if if you're not going to use this moment, this moment, like it's it's 2021. We're coming off. We're still in the middle of a pandemic, but like <laughs> all the shit that's been going on, you can't just drop it and say, hey, look, at we did this great thing and then run off. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like if you're going to if this this unintentionally so West Side Story it has a huge racial component to it and you can't and, and in this day and age if you if you don't treat that with some sort of respect or interrogate it a little further I, I don't know I don't know what the point of this is and I guess I you know I think I, I think I might be asking too much yeah I think you're asking too much I think it's, it's more think of it as like any Broadway revival, right? Like when they revive shows on Broadway, it's not to bring anything new to it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, like I said, Oklahoma though, the Oklahoma revival is like mind blowing compared to like the original Oklahoma. Like you should check it out. Check out, just Google sexy Oklahoma. And that's the uh, 20, 2018 or whatever version of Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think part of, you know, as like nerds of color, right. It is kind of, difficult in a way to talk about musical theater because it is so systemically class. I mean, it's intrinsically classist to your point. Yeah. The whole idea of a Broadway show, whether it's a touring one or on actual Broadway is about being elite. You only, I mean, that's the appeal of a Broadway show that the, the show you're getting on stage is unique to you who can afford to sit in a 500 seat theater. Yeah. You know, like, and then that's the appeal of Broadway, like whatever, performance you're getting that moment is the only performance of that you know and at the same time to to want to make that space more equitable in a weird way takes away i mean the elitism is part is baked into it you know i i i see that but when 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 hamilton hit and hit huge people who had never thought about going to musical theater we're super excited about this mm-hmm. show because it was presenting history in a new way. It was using hip hop in front of all of these white people who, who don't know who Biggie is. And like that moment and, and Lin-Manuel did a lot. He did a lot of free shows. He did a lot of shows to like mm-hmm. bring other communities in. But at that point, like if, if, if Disney was up at that point and they had that stream, like, you know, the year it hit big. And then afterwards, like, Hey, now you've heard about this thing. Now everyone can see it. I mean, that would have been huge. That would have turned, that would have, that would have opened it up for a whole bunch of people that would have shown people who don't look at musical theater 
this is a thing that I might be able to do someday. <laughs> the irony too, though, is that like the Hamilton phenomenon of 2016, 2015, 2016, was very different from the Hamilton phenomenon of 2020, 2021, because to your point, the people who were consuming Hamilton five years ago, yes, they're, they're not used to like seeing a black George Washington, a Latino Alexander Hamilton, Asian Eliza, right? Like that was while rapping and and singing R and B. But then when that show, which was limited to probably hundreds of thousands of people, became open to millions of people on Disney Plus, again, it's that same kind of like backlash. Like all of yeah. the conversations, like why are we glorifying slaveholders? Why, you know, why is Lin Manuel is Lin Manuel Manuel really racist? You know, yeah. like because again, the nuance starts to like the the broader you go with the audience, the nuance you start to lose some of the nuance. And what be, what was revolutionary five years ago, and the world changed too, right? Like. Yeah. Hamilton is an artifact of the Obama era. It's, it's definitely, yeah. I mean, and that's why I think if it, if it came out then, and if the pro shot came out back then or, or close to that time period, I think more people would have had access to it. And the conversation would have been different then. Mm. Um, I still think, I still think people would have gone back in the middle of the pandemic to go back because everybody looked at old shit. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's yeah. true. I mean, and and you know, it's, it's funny we're having this conversation in the midst of Broadway reopening, right? Like Broadway is now fully open. Like all they're of back. the all of the shows are back, and they're yeah. they've been performing, and you know, and and I don't think any of the attendance has suffered. And they're all selling uh, out. They're still they're making. Ex- they're still making their money, even yeah. with the pro shout out. Yeah, that's yeah. Why they need their own fucking streaming service. I that I think that's the. Uh, that's the what what is this part of the show called the uh the the pitch the, the i don't know we don't do the pitch anymore but oh, you don't do the pitch anymore we, we talk long enough so that the, uh, the idea comes out and we're like well, that's what we need to do this is the pitch we yeah. someone needs to invest in the broadway streaming service and make a yeah. billion dollars yeah but i'm I also, down for that but i also think that like um these we interrogate everything like we interrogate our movies we you know People's we, old social media posts, social media posts. <laughs> um, and I, and I think, I think it's good. Cause some of these ideas can be really harmful if we don't talk about it. And like, you know, there, if, if you're going to, in, in the case of, of Hamilton, if you're going to use hip hop of, a, a, a an art form created by black Americans as a African American art form, and you're going to ignore the slavery aspect of these slave owners rapping about their history and their, their cult. Like you have to talk about that. You, you can't just drop that out there and, and say, Hey, this is a great creative way to present it. Yes, it is. But let's have a conversation about that. And I think now that more people have access to it, they can have that and, and talk about it. So that the next time you produce something like that, you can, be a little bit more thoughtful in your presentation or, you know, do it on purpose. And that's the point. And that juxtaposition becomes the point, you know, like I feel like there are ways to have these conversations that will help make things better. And like, if you do a a revival of, of one of these shows, that's somewhat problematic, you have a chance to change it. Like people do revivals of Shakespeare all the time. And they come with different versions of Shakespeare. Like they, like the race of the cast, they might change the race of the cast. They might change the the setting of the production, or they might do it in in the olden times. Olden times, but 
they're they're always very thoughtful when they approach something like that because Shakespeare is old as shit. So of course those ideas are outdated. So let's do a new spin on it. And I feel like a lot of these modern shows could benefit from that. Like, yeah, I mean, you you kind of like the modern ones, especially you kind of see that now. Like Hades Town, the one I mentioned earlier, has a very diverse cast. Yeah. Six, which is about Henry the Sixth's wives, is a I very just, diverse cast. I just heard about that. We just started yeah. listening to that. So, I mean, I think to your point, modern Broadway is very much a different beast from like Broadway of the 80s. You know, like to your point about Phantom and Les Mis, like their casts for the last several years have been mixed casts. And I think that's kind of like, you know, the the, the gift and the curse of Hamilton is this, the kind of notion of quote unquote colorblind casting, you know. The, you can say what you will about what that means to be colorblind, but it did open up like a pool of talent for people to say like, Oh yeah, we can have a black Jean Valjean. We can have a oh, yeah. Middle Eastern phantom. We can have an Asian, you know, uh, uh, uh Eurydice, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like these, these can, and you're going to get your money. You're going to yeah. get, you're going to sell out. It's going to be great. People are going to fucking love it. You know? Yeah. And, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm a huge, I'm now a huge guy. Like I just want to make one more plug for come from away, which a lot of white people in the show too, but <laughs> the, the premise of it, you should check it out. It's on Apple TV plus the premise of it is on nine 11. There's this Island in Newfoundland where all the planes that were in the air were grounded. Oh, right, right, right. And, and it's essentially like a 90 minute sea shanty. Like the whole show sounds like a 90 minute sea shanty, but it's really good. Like the current Broadway cast has a little bit more people of color in the cast, but like the original cast that's on the Apple TV pro shot is pretty white. I mean, but again, it's new Newfoundland, right? It's Canada. It's like, it's going to be pretty white, <laughs> but it's a little weird because they're like talking about all these international passengers, but the cast is like 90% white, but yeah, check it out. I, I I had a really good time watching it. Uh, one more thing I want to plug also on Apple TV Plus is a show called Schmigadoon. If you're into like old yeah. school musicals, <laughs> you should watch Schmigadoon. I don't even know if you have Apple TV Plus. I, I don't, but uh, I've I've seen ads for that and that looks really funny. You would enjoy <laughs> Schmigadoon. It stars a uh, Key and Michael Key and Cecily Strong. Cecily Strong, <laughs> that's perfect for. Him. Yeah, it, you would you would appreciate it. if you like. You're, you like old school musicals, like the Steven Sondheim stuff and the Rodgers and Hammerstein stuff. You should find a way to watch Schmigadoon. Schmigadoon. All right, Keith, uh, where can people find you? I am all over the internet. You can find me personally on Twitter at the real Chow, the underscore real underscore Chow, and on Instagram at real Keith Chow. I'm also part of the Nerds of Color. You can find us at the Nerds of Color, every social media platform and hardknockmedia.com. You can find this podcast too, as well. How about oh, yeah. you, Jamie? Where are you on the internet? Uh, I'm on Instagram, Jamie Naguchi, and then uh, Twitter, Angry Zen Master, and then wherever you find this podcast, I've uh, I've got stuff there. If it's on YouTube, I'm on YouTube. If it's on Spotify, I'm on Spotify. If it's on Apple, and just put my name and shit, I show up. And I guess you can follow Brandon at that guy Chalmers on Instagram. <laughs> He's on if vacation. He's on vacation. He's having the, the, the time of his life. Yeah, you can see all his beach shit. photos. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right. for you, Brandon. <laughs> what you gonna do? <laughs> I went from The Rock to Hulk Hogan. That no, was, you shouldn't. That was weird. No, that's that was bad. weird. No, fuck <laughs> him. <laughs> <laughs> to be the man, you gotta beat the man. Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs>